I'm planning to just wrap up the rapture this evening and um, I'll, I might um, hit on a couple of things that we have, we have talked on over this last couple of weeks looking at the rapture. But really what I want to do tonight is I really want to try and like tie up um, some loose ends and just really, you know, answer some questions, just some thoughts around the rapture that, you know, some people have, some people have asked me over the years and different things concerning these things. But um, just, you know, just different um, questions, different thoughts. And then I want to end this evening by looking at how does the, the, the rapture and end time things in general, how does that affect us? right now because sometimes when you look to the future it can feel like you're talking about things there but you know what we want to know how does it affect us now um, but when you have a, a, a like a panoramic view of future based on the word of god it always grounds you it always impacts your life right now so there's a lot of people who don't like end time stuff, you know, like um, Donna, one of them. <laughs> Donna's not a lover of end time things. Um, but but I, I love end time things because it, it allows me to stay grounded. It allows me to see where I am right now um, in history and have a biblical view on the world and all of those kind of things. And it, I, I know for me it has really helped me over the years when you look at these things. So um, so praise God, we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll Try this evening to, to finish looking at that um, tonight. Look, just looking at the rapture aspect of things. I just, I just want to just say some questions here that people have asked me over the years, okay? Maybe you've had these thoughts yourself. But, you know, sometimes people will say, you know what, in the rapture, do my clothes be left behind? Okay? Does my clothes be left behind? You know, and not that it's going to affect us, praise God. But, you know, I don't know, okay? But, you know, I look at things like whenever Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says here in John 19, verse 39, And there came also Nicodemus, which came um, at the, or the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of mirth and aloes and about a hundred pound weight. And they took them and the body of Jesus here, and they wound them in this linen clothes, with the spices and with um, all of the stuff as how the Jews bury people, okay? So they wound Jesus up, they, they prepared his body for death. But one of the things that they do, did was they wound Jesus up, okay? Now over in John chapter um, 20, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. And remember Peter and John ran to the, uh, the tomb. And it says here in uh, verse 5, John 20, And he stooped down and looked in, I saw the linen clothes lying. So Jesus is risen, but the grave clothes are still there, okay? But he went not in. Then come, uh, cometh Peter, Simon Peter following him, and he went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes that they were lying there, and a napkin, that was, you know, what you put on the head, and the napkin, as you read there, it was folded over. Okay, and uh, I've heard people speaking this over the years and say that um, in, in that tradition, when you folded a napkin, like, you know, after dinner or whatever, it, it was an indication that you were finished. And so people say that's what that means, why Jesus, you know, folded the napkin saying that it was done, okay? Um, but anyway, but the point being here is the, the grave clothes were still there. And um, the way they anointed you like this was like a cocoon sitting there and Jesus is out of it. But the clothes are still there. So I don't know, okay? There could be a pile of clothes everywhere. But you know what? We won't be here even thinking about that. But you know, I'm just saying these are thoughts that people have. Another thing people said, you know, does the, um, does the graves bust open? Like, you know, maybe like um, some of them 
films, zombie films kind of, <laughs> kind of a thing. No, I don't believe that'll happen personally, you know. And again, on the thought of that, I'm thinking about when we're getting a glorified body like Jesus. Do you know, when Jesus um, rose from the dead, the stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. He was already gone. The stone was rolled away to let the, the women and um, the disciples come in, okay? Do you remember whenever Jesus appeared to the disciples in the room? He appeared twice, once when um, Thomas was abs absent, and then the next time when Th Thomas was present, and Jesus didn't have to open up the door. They were locked in that room, and Jesus just appeared. So you know what? Uh, uh, people will just be taken off the planet in the rapture of the church, okay? And what, what a wonderful thing that'll be. You know, I always think that whenever I'm burying someone or whenever I go to a grave, I always think, you know, one of these days right from this spot, praise God, their body for anyone in Christ Jesus is being taken off this planet. It's going to be a glorified body. It's going to be chained. That corruptible will put on incorruption. And then that natural body will then become a, a glorified spiritual body. And they'll be raised right from that spot. That's, a, that's an awesome visual to have. And you know what? We live by faith. Praise God. So when we stand at a grave for us, you know what? That's a wonderful way to think when you stand at the grave. That's just a temporary location for the body. But thank God, absent from the body is present with the Lord and the spirit and soul. Amen. So um, another, another thing is, um, what age will they be in my glorified body? <laughs> People ask these quickenings. We'll be eternal, okay? You're going to be in your prime forever. Amen. So we're, we're eternal. It's not really like that we, we're going to be an age. We're going to be eternal from that, from that point on. So in our glorified body, we're going to be eternal. You're going to have more life in you than you've ever had. Look, Jesus has been in a glorified body for 2,000 years. And I tell you, he is as, as um, young, so to speak, as he has been. He has an aged a bit in 2,000 years. Jesus is in his prime, okay? And we're going to have a glorified body, the Bible says, just like his. Amen? Um, will there be chaos after the rapture of the church? Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be chaos. Unless you drive a Tesla, it'll drive home and park itself. <laughs> but you know what? If you're driving a car and we're raptured, that car's, you know, it's no driver. You know, airplane, whatever. You know, there's going to be chaos because there's going to be people looking for their saved loved ones and they'll be raptured out of here. And who knows what's going to be said in the news and the media and all of those things after the rapture of the church. Another thing is, will babies... And young children go in the rapture of the church, I believe. Yes. Okay. Um, over in 2 Samuel 12 and verse um, 22 and 23. I'll not read through all of that. But um, when David's, the time whenever David and Bathsheba had the child and that wee child it died. But David made the statement. He says um, that he says, um, I, I will go to him. Okay. So that child you know, at that time went into a place called Abraham's bosom where everybody who was, was saved at that time and um, went to Abraham's bosom. I'll talk about that maybe in the next couple of weeks. But um, it was a place of comfort. But for today, for us, any, any infant that, that passes away goes straight to heaven. Amen. 
And um, it's a horrible thing for anyone that's faced anything like that, but there's still so much comfort in knowing that you get to see the child again. And there's so much comfort in that. You know, I'm over in um, um, Romans 7 and verse 9. Paul said here, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And, you know, we would call this here the age of, uh, like what well, we would talk about the age of accountability. And um, uh, people say, what is the age of accountability? It's not a specific age, okay? It's just, you know, whenever people come to the realization, people come to the realization in life to where they know they're a sinner in need of a savior. And um, you know what, there's, there's people that could have disabilities in their life or whatever, mental disabilities that maybe never come to that age of accountability in their whole life. Their child like their whole life. Um, but there is an age of accountability, and thank God, you know, for any infant that has died, you know, I've seen, seen people that have lost um, infants and different things, children, it's a horrible thing. Um, but, you know, but thank God for the joy of knowing that one day they're in your future. Amen? So, um, but yes, children and babies will go to be with the Lord. Amen? Um, what if I don't like heights? <laughs> I'll be okay. When you're in a glorified body, you'll have no problem with them. I worked at heights for years, and I never liked heights. I couldn't wait to get down off the ladder. It's in factory buildings and everything. I couldn't wait to get down off the ladder. It'd be, I'd just go up there, but I wouldn't be looking down too often. I just kept my eyes at the level that I was at. But you know what? We'll be like Superman up there <laughs> flying around. But you know what? No, you won't have any problems with that. You'll be in a glorified body. It's amazing. These are things that people have asked me over the years. Um, Here's another one. Do all believers go up in the rapture? And I believe we've answered this as we have went along in this series. Absolutely, every believer goes up in the rapture. What if they're not a perfect believer? Show me a perfect believer. I don't know any. I've never met a perfect believer. The Bible talked in the, in the book of Corinthians that there was people who were spiritual and there was people who were carnal. A carnal um, Christian, when I'm talking about a Christian or a, a spiritual Christian, is someone who is under the influence of the Word and under the influence of the Holy Ghost, where they're allowing the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to dominate their life, to have that greater influence in their life. That's someone who's walking... Um, um, under the, that influence, they're availing off that influence. But in the, the book of First Corinthians, you go and look, they were carnal. Look at all of the things that were wrong in that book, but it lets us know right from the beginning of the book that they're in Christ, and they're sanctified in Christ Jesus. It's not about, um, per se, how sanctified you are outwardly. It's that you're, you're saved in your spirit, and that your spirit is in union with Christ Jesus. When you walk with God, you will become more holy, okay? You'll become more holy outwardly. But we weren't saved by our works. Okay, we were saved by grace. And everybody who goes up in the rapture is going up because of the grace of God. It's because we are in Christ Jesus. It is for those who are in Christ, the Bible says. Amen? And so there are people who are dead in Christ, and there's people who are living in Christ. But here's the thing, it's going to be for everybody who is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now... What's the difference between the rapture and the second coming? I'm not going into these in depth. I just want to call out a couple of things, okay? Um, the rapture, it takes place before the tribulation, okay? So the rapture takes place before the tribulation. The second coming happens at the end of the tribulation, 
Okay? So the rapture, we go up before those seven years of tribulation. The second coming, we come back with Jesus at the end of the tribulation. At the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints. Okay? In the second coming, Jesus comes with his saints. Okay? Like, for instance, just Jude there, 1 and verse 14, one of those scriptures. It says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Look, at it says, to execute judgment upon all. That's at the end of the tribulation period. Okay? Next thing... The, the rapture, in the rapture, Jesus comes as far as the clouds. He doesn't put foot on the earth, okay? We're caught up to meet him in the air, okay? At the second coming, Jesus comes to the earth, and he sets foot on the Mount of Olives, okay? And in Zechariah chapter 14, talking about the second coming here, in verse, 13, uh, verse 3 and 4, it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. And if you keep reading there, it says on the Mount of Olives, it's going to cleave, it's going to split in two, okay? So in the second coming, Jesus actually comes to the earth. In the rapture, he comes to the clouds, and we're called up to meet him in the earth. Um, at the rapture, the church on earth is taken to heaven, Okay? At the second coming, the church comes with Jesus um, to the earth for the millennial kingdom, okay? For the rapture, there's no signs. It's what people would call it's imminent, okay? It can happen at any time, okay? So the rapture doesn't have any signs, but the second coming does have signs, as we looked at in Matthew chapter um, 24. But I personally believe, even though there's no signposts, I personally believe that there is going to be a move of God before we exit the planet. Uh, but I don't believe, as I said the other week, that we're going out in a, on a life support machine. I don't have a vision of that. You know what? All the old-time ministers believed that there was going to be a great move of God. Yeah. Um, people like Smith Wigglesworth, who prophesied, you know, um, the several moves of God in the last century, and he prophesied right up and said that the last move of God before Jesus comes will be a move of the Word and the Spirit together, and then, then at that time, then we will have the rapture of the church, okay? I believe that because of James 5 and verse 7, it said, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it, until he received the early and the latter rain. You know what? The day of Pentecost was the early rain, and praise God, I believe that we're going to see the latter rain, and uh, I believe there will be a lot of people who will give their lives to the Lord before we leave this planet. Amen? Um, at the rapture, the earth is not judged because Jesus isn't coming in judgment on the earth. At the rapture, we're caught up to meet him, okay, in the earth, as we've been saying. And you know what? We will have that judgment um, for rewards that we looked at last week. At the second coming, there is judgment on the earth, just like I read a moment ago in Jude, and there's tons of scriptures that talk about that. It's where Jesus is coming in vengeance. Um, but thank God for this time we live in where it's grace. 
Amen? When Jesus comes back, the Bible says that he's going to defeat the armies of Antichrist and the, the blood is going to flow to the horse's bridle. So he is coming in vengeance in the second coming. And the rapture was a mystery, as we talked about during the series, that wasn't known in the Old Testament, but the second coming is well documented in the Old Testament. The rapture will affect the believer only, but the second coming will affect the whole world. Okay? In the rapture, only the believer will see Jesus, but in the second coming, every eye will see him. And after the rapture, the tribulation begins, and after, but after the second coming, the millennial kingdom begins. Okay? So there is a difference, okay? Now, what's the purpose of the rapture? What's it all about? Why, why are we being taken? Number one, it, the rapture happens to take believers off the planet, and the Bible calls us his ambassadors, okay? Just like we're seeing war at the minute, you know, going on in the Middle East. Do you know what? But when, there, when there's talk of war, ambassadors get moved from their location. And when ambassadors are moved, many times in situations, it's a sheer sign that something is coming. Yeah. And you know what? We're the ambassadors. And before all of the judgments hit this planet, the ambassadors are going to be removed. So we are the ambassadors of Christ. In Ephesians 6 and verse 20, Paul speaking, he says, For which I am an ambassador in bonds. Paul was in prison, but he was an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what? You're an ambassador representing the kingdom of God. Um, in John 20 and verse 21, Jesus is speaking here and he's, he's just saying how, when, how the Father sent him. He's saying now that we are being sent. So we are now being sent the same way. Ambassadors are sent. We, we belong to our home country. Okay? No, ambassadors, they represent their home country in another country. Well, we're pilgrims, okay? And we're in this earth. But we have a citizenship somewhere else. As it says over here in um, Philippines chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, or our conversation. The word conversation means citizenship. Do you know, you have a dual, a dual citizenship. You're a citizen of, of earth, but you're also, whatever um, nationality, even with nationalities, you can have several passports. You know, many people on this island have, have two passports. But you know what? You can have two passports. You know, like you could be a dual citizen on earth. Okay, like we're your nation. But really, if you look at it, like our physical body gives us a passport to live here. Okay? So you have a citizenship in earth that allows you to affect this planet. When you're alive, you can affect your world. Okay? So thank God for your body. Some people say, oh, it's this shape or it's that shape or I don't like this or I don't like that. But you know what? We should be thankful saying, thank God I'm alive. Because as long as you are alive in a physical body, you can make a difference in this world. And as long as you're in this body, you get the privilege of making a difference in this world. One of these days we'll, we'll be out of here. But as long as you're in this body, in this world, you can make a difference. But here's another great thing. You're not just a citizen of this planet. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. So you can draw from the kingdom of God and let God's kingdom be manifested through your life to make a difference in this world. 
So you're not just limited. People say, you know what, um, you know, I'm only human. No, you're not. I'm only human. I wouldn't sing that rubbish. I'm singing it like, but I'm making fun of it. You know, when you sing, I'm only human, what you're saying is, I'm limited. Yeah, and you're natural. You know what, naturally you have limitations. But you know what, even having your body as a passport, okay, that allows you to be operational in this earth, but you're not only human, you have the Holy Ghost in the inside of you. Amen? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have the kingdom of God in you. You are able to draw from the kingdom of God and affect your world. You're hooked up to God. You pray. You have his word. You have the Holy Ghost living in you. You can be led and guided by the Holy Ghost. You're not only human. Amen. You've got a born-again spirit in you that is indwelt by the Holy Ghost. I love what Andrew Womack says, you're wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. That's the reality of it. We are wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. That's why we're meant to become God inside-minded. Not that we're God, but we have the Holy Ghost living in us. Amen. You've, you've God living in you, and the Bible says that He'll walk in you. So God, God came to not dwell with us. He came to dwell in us. So we have that citizenship of heaven, amen? But again, that's to remove the ambassadors without staying there all night. But that's good, amen? To know that you have a body and you're in the kingdom of God and that you can draw from the kingdom of God and affect your world through the Holy Ghost, amen? Another um, purpose for the rapture is for Jesus to receive the saints to himself. So that we can be presented to Jesus as a glorious church, amen, and also be presented to the Father. And so at the rapture of the church, um, we will be presented to Jesus and we'll be presented then to the Father. In Ephesians 5 and verse 26, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it, talking about the body of Christ, the church, with the washing uh, washing off the, of the water by the word. Look at this. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blame. Well, I tell you, there is a lot of spots and wrinkles in the church, okay? And sometimes people say, well, Jesus won't come until the church gets his act together, and he's never coming. Yeah. I've never been in a perfect church. You know, people have problems. We all need Jesus. We all need the grace of God. But you know what? In life, you allow the Word to keep washing you, and you know what happens? You'll start living a more sanctified life. Okay? Um, the only way we're going to be without spot and wrinkle is because we're going to get a glorified body. And when we stand before Him, we are going to be completely saved. Spirit, soul, and body. And then we can be presented to the Father. Amen? But until that time, we allow the Holy Ghost to keep working on us. But don't think you are ever going to be perfect. Does that mean then don't try? It's not about trying. It's about walking with God. As you walk with God and put the Word of God in you, the Word of God starts washing your life. You don't change yourself. You couldn't save yourself. You can't change yourself either. But what you can do is you can put yourself in a position where God can work on your life. You know, um, we can't... We don't... Um, we don't cleanse ourselves even physically, okay? Now, you can stand in a shower all day, and you can do this here, 
and you'll get, you'll be more smelly after half an hour of that if you don't put the water on. Because it's the water that cleans you. Okay? What do we do? We apply in the shower. What we're doing is we're applying the soap and the water to our body. It's the water and the soap that cleanses us, but we have to apply it. Let me tell you, it's the Word that cleans you. You're sanctified not by your willpower. You're sanctified by the Word. That's why it's so important to sit underneath the Word. Because it's the Word that sanctifies you. Amen. And as you sit underneath the Word, you're getting that cleansing. It's, Jesus cleanses us through the Word of God. As the Word's going forth, it's bringing change in our lives. Our job is to sit under the Word. Our job is to apply the Word. But you cannot fix yourself. It's God that fixes us. Amen. Amen. Again, another purpose for the church is to receive the early and the latter rain. Um, another purpose of the church is so that we can receive our glorified body. Another purpose of the church is so that we can go to the BMA seat where we looked at last week. Because after you're raptured, you're going to be rewarded for what you did by faith. Amen. In your body. Amen. And then another purpose of the rapture is for us to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, as it talks about in Revelations 19 and verses 6 and 7. Let me just read there verse 7. It says, Let us rejoice, or let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Amen. I read that there, the wee song, Let us rejoice and be glad. So I'm singing that in my head while I'm... <laughs> that's why I'm quoting it wrong. But anyway, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Praise God. And then um, the, the last purpose that I just want to call out here of the rapture of the church is because the, the church needs to leave before the Antichrist can come on the scene. Because there is a restrainer that is restraining and preventing the Antichrist from coming on the scene. And that restrainer is the church indwelt by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we need to be removed before the Antichrist can come on the scene. So praise God. Now, how does it affect us? Okay, let me just look at this for a wee bit this evening. How does the rapture affect us today because it, it should affect us understand the end times even though this is an event that will just happen and we'll be changed in a moment the bible says we'll be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the lord but how does that affect us today well the first thing that it does is it brings comfort in our lives as the bible says okay um, first thessalonians 4 and verse 18 it says wherefore comfort one another with these words without going back into all of that again i was talking about the rapture of the church there but what does it say comfort one another with these words we are not meant to live in fear as believers we're people of faith Amen. We're not meant to be living in fear. And some people live in fear of end times. But if you have a biblical perspective of end times, you can have comfort. Um, as I said, when we looked at this, there's a lot of people who, who were afraid during the coronavirus and the, and the vaccine came out. And, you know, and people were saying that if you took the vaccine, that you took the mark of the beast. It's all over social media. You still see posts like that. 
You know, if you took the vaccine, you took the mark of the beast, and yet the mark of the beast can't even come until the tribulation period. But when you understand that you won't even be here for that, you'll never let fear come in with people preaching fear to believers. A Christian is not meant to be in fear. Jesus said over and over again, fear not. And if Jesus was here today, he'd be saying, speaking to us and saying, fear not. Do not be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, as it says over in John chapter 14. And then goes on to talk about that he's going to prepare a place for us and he's going to come and take us again to himself. But what did he say? Do not let your heart be troubled. As a believer, we do not need to live in fear. Even with everything that's going on in, in the Middle East at the, the minute, we don't need to live in fear. A lot of people, this is whenever people start looking for answers. And thank God that people do wake up at this time when things happen. But for someone who knows God, knows the Word, you don't need to live in fear. You know, people say this situation, has this got anything to do with end times? It, it possibly could have something big to do with end times, but we don't know that. We don't know that. We know that through the scriptures, there's going to be some kind of a conflict that is going to need a peace agreement. And that the Antichrist is going to come and bring a peace agreement for seven years, what we've looked at in this series. So there's going to have to be some kind of a conflict that's going to need peace. And the Antichrist is going to step on the scene and he's going to be able to bring peace. A seemingly peace, but it's a false peace. And he's going to break that seven-year agreement halfway through when he commits the abomination of desolation and proclaims himself as God. But there is going to be some kind of a, of a conflict that is going to need peace. This could be it. People say, is this Ezekiel, you know, 38 and 39? You know what? Uh, um, who knows? This could be the build-up to it. Who knows? We don't know. If it is, we're out of here quick. Amen. But we don't know. The rapture might not happen for another 10 years. I can remember years ago, um, people saying, you know, coming into 2000, you know, with the Y2K, and, you know, people thought we were, that was the end of the world, and people were teaching doom and gloom and all of that kind of thing. Get your generator, get your dry food, get all of this kind of stuff. You still see that in Christian TV today. People saying that there because they use everything to preach fear. We're not meant to live by fear. We live by faith. Amen. So um, you have people doing all of that again, you know, but you know what? When you understand the scriptures, comfort. Amen. You know, you see a, a child that has, you know, a wee comfort blanket or a toy. Do you know what? It just settles them. The scriptures and the Holy Ghost is, so to speak, like your comfort blanket or you know that that settles you in a world of turmoil jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation but be of good cheer i've overcome the world and so when you know jesus and you know the scriptures you don't ever have to live in fear because you can trust him and he'll look after us you know alexis has a, a wee a wee thing that she has and she's had it for years and it's it's falling apart but she's had that there thing for years and she got when she was a child. But you know what? I still learned the house. You know what I mean? But it's, it's a comfort thing. You know what I mean? Not that she needs it now. But you know what? It's a comfort thing. Okay? She still loves it like, you know what I mean? Because it's sentimental and all the rest of it. But you have the Word of God. And you have the Holy Ghost. Amen? And again, as I always like to hit on it, you know, that's why I'm not afraid of global warming. 
not afraid of it, not afraid of using deodorant. Don't use deodorant, you'll damage the ozone layer. It's better than being minging, okay? <laughs> um, you know what? Don't use plastic straws. I'm, I'm just refuse. I'm going to put my plastic straws or whatever in the bin after I use them. I believe in being a good steward. But we're not going to destroy the planet. Because when you look at the Bible, look, this planet is going to go through the judgments in the, the tribulation period, and then there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. We're not going to destroy the planet. You don't have to live in fear thinking of that. Second thing, how does a rapture and end times affect us? It keeps us focused on the harvest. What is it all about? We need to see people saved. You see, when you realize that, that we're only here for a, a season, we're pilgrims. The Bible tells us that. You know, we're, we're pilgrims. Used to be a wee man in Lurgan. He used to say, I'm a pilgrim. I'm only passing through. He used to say it everywhere he went. Everybody knew him for saying that. And he used to say that in the town. I'm only a pilgrim. I'm only passing through. Well, do you know what? God has a wonderful plan for us when we're here. You know, you have a purpose of God upon your life when you're here. I'm not talking about being miserable and, you know what, live in a tent. I'm not talking about that. But what I am saying is when you have an, a, a, an awareness of you're going to be with Jesus forever, okay, in a new heaven and a new earth, it puts a different perspective on time. And what's really important is time is souls. That's what's really important. When it's all said and done, people need Jesus. And so we are to fulfill the Great Commission. What is that? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. And number two is to train people who get saved. And that keeps me grounded and keeps me balanced. You know why? Because it stops me from... Yeah, I have views on life. I have political views like anybody else. But it stops me from being really political and not reaching people. Look, we're to love people. You can hate certain ideologies that are so against the word of God. But we should never hate the people. We should love the people. I'm going to say something else as well. Even while there's conflict going on, do you know what? Many times you'll have people, well, they're going to um, hate, you know, like most Christians, you know, will, will stand with Israel. But then many times people go and then they hate Palestinians. We shouldn't be hating people. Our job is not to hate people. Our job is to bring the gospel to people. Our job is to pray for people. Our job is to pray that the gospel will, will have free course and that people will hear the gospel. Because like, for anybody who leaves this planet and doesn't know Jesus, it's, it's not good. People need Jesus. Look, um, Paul was a Jew, but Paul didn't promote Judaism. Paul got saved. Paul promoted the gospel. And sometimes people will promote um, even Judaism as Christians. So you have Christians blowing the shofar. You have Christians wearing a prayer shawl. You have Christians doing all of these things. There's even some Christians went as far as to get circumcised. And the Bible says it profits you nothing. Absolutely nothing. Only Christ is of benefit to anyone's life. Profits. Only Jesus benefits a person's life. Not a, a, a shofar, not a, a, a prayer shawl or any of those kind of things. That can be someone's culture, and I'm not coming against someone's culture of their nation. But I'm saying in the kingdom of God, our message is not Judaism, because Judaism can't save you. Our message is Jesus.
Only Jesus can save you. Amen? And that's what we bring to the world. Now, let me tell you, we, we need to bring Jesus to our generation. We need to stay in a place where we love everyone so we can bring the gospel to everyone. Paul the Apostle was a Jew who got saved and then went to the world with the gospel. That's what Paul preached. He preached Christ crucified. That's what he preached everywhere that he went. And that is the Great Commission. And so for, for all of us, we need to be people that stay focused on the Great Commission and be able to bring the gospel to people. You know, people get into things like, you know, black lives matter. I believe all lives matter. Amen. I believe Jesus settled that debate but when he died for everybody. I don't get into all of these things because they're political. I'm staying out of the political so that I can reach everybody. Paul said, I became all things to all men so that I can reach everybody. So, you know what? We, we don't need to get into any of those political things. We need to be able to reach everybody. All lives matter. Jesus died for everyone. Jesus loves black people. He loves white people. He loves men. He loves women. He died for everybody. He loves children. He loves the old. Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died for the Protestant. He died for the Catholic. He died for, you know, um, the, the Palestinian as much as he died for, for the Jewish person. Because Jesus shed his blood for the whole world. The, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection decides who the gospel is for. The gospel is for everybody. Amen? Now, I have, I have political opinions, I have political views, just like any one of us have. I know where I stand on certain issues. I know what I believe. I know what the Bible says about, you know what, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and I do all of those kind of things. But when it comes to the gospel, the gospel is for everyone Jesus died for the world. Amen? Um, number three, how does end times affect our lives? End times affect how we live. You end up living a holy life. When you understand end times, you end up living a holy life, a set-apart life. Holiness means set-apart. It doesn't mean like you're some holy Joe you know what, a side shade kind of a thing. What was my image growing up? Not against anybody having a certain haircut or whatever, but my image growing up, you know, when we were younger, everybody had like a spike or something or a step or something like that there. You know, you, you were trendy or whatever, but you thought you were at that age. But my image was a Christian, someone who just straight and, you know, that was my image of a Christian. And that was my image of being holy. Being holy has nothing got to do with your dress, your haircut, your clothes, or any of those kind of things. Being holy means your life is set apart for His use. It means that you're holy unto God. It means you're set apart. Have you got a... Um, anybody's got a cup in your house that you use just for you? You know, that's your cup. You know you don't give it to guests. Do you know why? Because that's set apart for your use. When somebody comes in, you don't give them your cup, you give them a different cup. Well, let me tell you, God doesn't want everybody drinking out of your life. He wants your life set apart for Him. That's what holiness means. You're not saved by your holiness. Holiness can't save you. But we're saved onto good works. Amen? So you're not saved by your holiness. That's where a lot of people miss it. They start preaching holiness to Christians and then Christians don't even know whether they're saved because they know they can't live a perfect life. No, we're saved by grace. 
But then you live a life unto him. Okay? And the more you understand these things, the more you want to live a life for him. Here's a couple of verses in this. Um, 1 John 3. Let me just read there verse 2. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Well, in first one, it talks about, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Verse 2, Now we, we know that we are the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, And every man that has this hope in him purifies what? Himself. Now you do that by applying the word of God to your life. Everyone who understands that I'm a child of God, one day I'm going to be with Jesus. When you keep that focus, there's something in you that wants to live a life for him. Amen? I believe every believer has in their spirit the desire they want to live for him. We can have problems with our flesh. But in here you know I should be living for him. And every believer has that. You know you want to live for him. You know you want your life to count for him. Amen? And what does it do? You purify yourself. Look over in Colossians 3 for a second. You know, it talks here about, you know, if you've been uh, risen, seek those things that are above, set your affections on things that are above. Um, verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, that's in the rapture, then shall we also appear with him in glory, Look at this here. When you understand this, look what it says then. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. It goes through all of these things. You know what you do? You start, you start saying all of them things I used to do. I don't want to do them anymore. When you keep your eyes focused on him, when you set your affections on things above, it has an effect on how you live here. Do you know what? We want to live for him. When you understand the end times, you want to live for him. You want your life to be effective. You realize life's short. Someday we're going to be with him. I want as many people to get saved between now and then. Amen? Um, second, our second chapter of Titus says the same thing here. talking about salvation. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, were in this present world while we're looking for that blessed hope. Okay, as you're looking for that blessed hope, you realize you're saved by grace. But I'm telling you, grace doesn't just save you. Grace also teaches you how to live a set-apart life. And everybody who has that hope, they want their life to count for Jesus. Philippines 1 and verse 10, it says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, that means pure, okay? Without offense, till what? Till the day of Christ. You see, when you live with the awareness of the rapture, let me tell you, you want to live a life that's set apart for him. I'll tell you something else that keeps you out of it, keeps you out of offense. You see, not everything's important. Some things are not worth fighting over. Why? Because there's bigger things. It's like there's bigger fish to catch. So there's no point in falling out with people. Life is short. There's no point in walking in unforgiveness. Life is short. When you know that one day you're going to be with him, it puts everything else in perspective. I always say that, um, you know, when Jesus is the center, everything else finds its rightful orbit around Jesus. Um, 
Just, and I'm not going to go through all of these things and teach all of these things, but I just want to refer to this here. Romans chapter 14. You know, um, Romans chapter 14 is a chapter that set me free from offense one time in my life. Do you ever have people get in your head and it's very hard to get them out? They're going around and... I had that. I had it where a stage, there was a stage in my life where I couldn't even sleep at night because I was trying to fix everybody. I was so annoyed at people. And I had areas, I'm not saying I was offended, offended as like, you know, I was, but I was offended. Offenses. Offenses is sin. It's not walking in love. But you know what? God can set us free from those things. But you know what, here, the, Romans 14 was the, was the chapter that set me free. And in verse 4 it says, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Well, that settles it for me. There's no sense in me trying to fix everybody. You know, we can become people's judge and jury. We can judge what is right and wrong, okay? But we can't judge the motives of a person's heart. But here's the thing, one day God will sort everything out at the rapture of the church and people will have rewards or else they'll have wood, hen, stubble that'll be burnt up that we looked at last time. So there's no sense in me getting stressed out trying to fix everybody's life or you being stressed out trying to fix everybody's life. And I'm telling you, I have lived in so much freedom for years because of Romans chapter 14 where I was able to let a bunch of people go because I realized they're not, they're not my sheep. Amen? To their own master, they'll stand one day. So it's nothing got to do with me. It's amazing what you can walk away from when you know it's not your problem. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Do you know what I mean? So it's not our, when it's not your circus. Amen? Now what I was saying about, and what I was talking about here in Romans chapter 14 was people were fighting over, you know, should you keep Saturday aside for God or should you just live for God every day? And so there are some people who set a day aside and they were doing it for the Lord. There are some people who live every day for the Lord, okay? Then it was to do with eating. There are some people who eat vegetables. There are some people that think they'll only eat that, they'll eat herbs because they think it's wrong to eat certain things. You know, like under Jewish laws and stuff, you couldn't eat pork or shrimp and all of them kind of things. So it was dietary things and that goes on today as well. You could be eating a bacon sandwich or something and someone will turn around and say you shouldn't be eating that. It says it in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, and it tells us that you can pray over anything and eat it. Okay? So it puts a cell to it. But you know, people fight over a day. They fight over what you eat. And then another one that it brings out is, is wine. People will fight over, you know, should you, take, should you be able to take a glass of wine or not take a glass of wine? So some people will condemn you if you take a glass of wine. Some people will say, it's okay, you can take a glass of wine. Drunkenness is always wrong in the scripture, but sometimes people will argue and fight if somebody took a glass of wine or stuff like that, okay? And so you can lose your joy. There's a bunch of people, they lose their joy because somebody takes a glass of wine. There are some people lose their joy because someone takes a bacon sandwich. There are some people lose their joy because someone wore jeans or something on a Sunday. But you know what? Now, Sunday's not even the Sabbath. Saturday is. But you know what? If, when you know that one day God sorts everything out, 
Well, then you can put your head down and go to sleep no matter what somebody's drinking or eating or... You understand? And it sets you free. And what's it all about? It's all about the rapture. Look what it says in verse 10. 10. It says, But why does thy judge thy brother, or why does thy set at naught thy brother? Why? For we must all stand before the judgment seat or the reward seat of Christ. And then in Romans 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It's nothing got to do with what you eat, and it's nothing got to do with what you drink. Okay? And I'm not talking about drunkenness. And the Bible talks against gluttony as well. Okay? Some people put someone down because they take a glass of wine and they're 20 stone overweight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody says you shouldn't take a glass of wine while they're down two liters of Coke. Which one's worse? So, like, wine is not a sin in the Bible, but drunkenness is. But it's just different people have different opinions. But you know what? Here's the thing the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But it's what? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't lose your joy over somebody else. Amen? You can still have peace and joy when you understand that one day we'll all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let everything get sorted out there. And I'm not going to lose my joy. And I don't care what so-and-so is doing in that sense. I'm going to put my hands up today and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to walk with you, Lord God. I thank you. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the peace of God. I have peace with you. And I thank you that I'm going to have the joy of God today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me just call out these other ones and I'll close this evening. Another thing is hope. I'm not going to get into the scriptures of it, but thank God we have the blessed hope. We have a living hope, okay? You always have hope when you understand end times. Another thing is you have patience. You can outlast anything because we patiently endure because we understand that at the rapture of the church, that's going to be a great harvest, okay? James chapter 5. Um, Another thing, it keeps you, um, it keeps you with a, a, a pure heart and everything that you do in the move of God and leadership and in the call of God upon your life. And the last thing is that, praise God, rewards. Amen. When you understand these things, you will live your life to be effective for Jesus because one day you're going to stand before Jesus and the Bible says we'll be rewarded, amen, for everything that we've done in faith in our body, amen. You're not saved by your works, but we're saved on two good works. They're works of faith. They're works where we're going to be a benefit to the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, one day you will be rewarded and you want to have gold, the Bible says, silver and precious stones talking about our rewards, amen. How does the rapture affect us today? affects us greatly today. Keeps you focused, keeps you preaching the gospel. Amen. Keeps you set apart for the things of God. Amen. Keeps you out of strife. Keeps you out of offense. You can, uh, you can have patience to the day that you stand before God and everybody else stands before God and get on with the call of God upon your life. Not be distracted because of what other people are doing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused. Amen. And live for the prize. Amen. So end times do affect your life here and now. Amen.